exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome into the Spartan Sports Wrap. It is Monday night. It is 7 p.m. That can only mean one thing if you're tuned into Impact 89 FM. It is the Spartan Sports Wrap. Wherever you are, thanks for tuning in. If you're just getting home from work, you're still at work. We appreciate you tuning in to 88.9 FM. Don't forget, wherever you are around the world, you can log on to impact89fm.com in the live stream anywhere in the world with an Internet connection. Just simply click Listen Live in the upper left-hand corner, and you'll hear us streaming every Monday night, 7 to 8 p.m., commercial-free, the only hour of commercial-free sports talk in the greater Lansing area right here on Impact 89 FM. Enough about us and a little bit more about the panel joining me tonight. I'm your host, Dan Duggar. To my left, he's he's getting consistent now <laughs> His, with the Chicago Cubs hat, though. That's all right. Still faithful. Ray Mara's back. What's up, Ray? Not so much. Uh, disappointing weekend. Again, both, know, both, both on the diamond and in the stadium for <laughs> yes, you, huh? Yes, definitely. But uh, I don't know. My fantasy team did win this week, so I'm uh, definitely happy about that. Obviously, you don't have Kitna as your fantasy <laughs> <No>. quarterback. <laughs> Uh, Brigitte's back. What it, we're on like year one and a half now or yeah, something it's together. That. It's Cons- going good though. Consist- I like. I'm a fan of those earrings too. Oh, Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. I mean, people can't see it on on the radio clearly. But we also have a guest, Eric. What's going on, man? What's your story, man? Tell us. Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, I'm an intern with the Big Ten Network, and I uh, just thought I'd get involved with this. I've heard about it a little bit, so just wanted to. He's heard about it, one of five people that have heard about the show. Hey, but we, we thank you for your interest. He's going to bring some insight. You've been involved in sports radio for quite a while, though. Uh, yeah, I used to do a show back home that was syndicated, syndicated over 10. Uh, where's uh, where's home? Rockford, Illinois. Rockford, Illinois. There's, yeah. few, there's a few Spartans in numerous sports, I believe, from, from Rockford, Illinois, and from the state of Illinois. Um, so what's your major here at, at MSU? Communication. Outstanding. Well, if you'd like to communicate with us, our phone number 517 432 Three eight nine three. I'm sure there's many opinions flying about in the world of MSU football. We'll get to football in a few minutes. Uh, got a chance to talk to Coach Izzo today. Uh, we'll hear from him in just a minute. Uh, Spartan Hockey, they play tomorrow. Exhibition opener at home, 7.05 p.m. Sat down with Jeff Lurg last week. Uh, we'll talk to Michigan State's goalie and uh, obviously the MVP of that team last year in the national championship run. Football, they lost 48-41 in OT to Northwestern. We'll break down that game offensively, defensively, and I think uh, a key attribute to, to that loss may have been special teams. We'll talk that as well. And uh, that, that should take us through the, through the top of the hour, Ray. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> tip tip uh, drills and tailgate <laughs> says the shirt. Uh, you, you actually experienced the game uh, as a media member for, for once. You actually went to the press box. How was that? Yeah, for? it was definitely nice. Uh, on a hot day, I definitely uh, enjoyed the air conditioned and uh air conditioning environment and then uh definitely when it rained i definitely was dry so yeah how about that <laughs> the, the rain randomly in the you know middle of an 85 degree day uh but i'm sure you enjoyed the uh the media food the bratwurst yeah and the, definitely the free pops i stayed hydrated throughout the game <laughs> <laughs> hey that's ray mara we're, we're a spartan sports rap if you miss our show actually and if you really think we're that smart and can talk that well about sports go to our website impact89fm.com uh, we have a podcast section archive all our past shows uh, more than a year's worth of shows and dang i've been hosting this for quite some time it's it's ridiculous but i'm sure there's only been a couple downloads my parents essentially uh, but if you'd like to get in contact we also have an email address uh up and going uh, actually my email is going to ray so i'm good over here uh wdbm sports at gmail.com wdbm sports at gmail.com uh, Ray, we're three and a half weeks away from men's basketball season exhibition opener. Are you a little pumped? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know. Hopes are high, and uh, you got to be excited for you know our state's basketball team. You know, absolutely. Brigitte, what's up? Three yeah. and a half weeks to hoop season. I'm really excited. Are you are you still in football mode? I'm still in football mode, but I mean, if our team keeps going the way it is, I think a lot of people are going to be looking towards basketball real soon. But three, uh, here's for homecoming Saturday. Uh, we got Indiana at home, 7 p.m. under the lights on the Big Ten Network. Uh, kickoff at 7 p.m. Uh, there's still about 3,000 tickets left uh, to go to this game. So not sold out yet. I have a feeling it will be. 
Uh, but if you're interested in, in buying tickets, they're still available. I can put that out there for you. Uh, but Midnight Madness, men's basketball, usually Midnight Madness is at Breslin uh, because of Circus Olay, some ridiculous circus. I don't even know. Uh, I'm not going to go to it, obviously. Uh, but they're taking over the Breslin Center. So Midnight Madness, uh, you know, the introduction to uh, to the season, uh, you know, men's and women's teams now. Uh, you know, we'll keep it gender gender equity in the house, you know. Uh <laughs> But that's going to start at 9 p.m. on Friday at Munn Ice Arena. It holds about 7,000. So, you know, there may be a little spillover if you're worried about that. Uh, the athletic department's providing jumbotrons on Munn Field. Uh, they're going to stream the activities of Midnight Madness right on Munn Field and onto the jumbotrons. So, you know, they're trying to take care of everyone. Obviously, uh, you know, not really thrilled for the people that, you know, may not have an opportunity to go to the games during the year, maybe financially, time-wise, that, you know, they go to Midnight Madness because that's, you know, that's their time to go see the team. And, you know, Breslin holds 14,000, Munn holds seven. You know, you can do the math. Uh, but Coach Izzo uh, spoke today at before Mark D'Antonio's press conference. I want you to pay a close attention to the tail end. Uh, Coach Izzo speaks directly to the, the state of the football program and the athletic department, uh, which I think is a great job and makes some great comments. So here's Coach Izzo this afternoon at Mark D'Antonio's press conference. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. Uh... You know, if the weather stays like this, maybe we'll have another Richmond, you know, where it seeps through the floor. But I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to get a little cooler. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because if it if the crowds are anything like they've been the last five years, uh, we are going to make it available. We have it close-circuited outside for some of the fans, and we're going to, you know, I don't know how many they can put in there, but they'll cram as many as the fire marshal lets them cram in there. And, and I think it'll be... It'll be different, you know. It'll be fun because it'll be different, and uh, I think that's the spice of life. Keeping things, keeping you on edge a little bit, and uh, you know, the only I wasn't thrilled about it, if I was to tell the truth, because I think it's our night to get as many people in there that maybe don't get to see us play. But hey, Hollis is ecstatic, you know, just another notch on his belt on something else he's done, and you know, in his new. So as he starts his new regime and. Uh, he gets to uh, do something that's that's different at Michigan State again. Well, I'll close by saying I, I am looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing you in a week or so. And uh, but I think um, you know, like everything else, remember where we started, and uh, and I, I feel great about where we are as a athletic department and in, in our football program and everything else. And let's hope that uh, everybody just hangs with us because it is a building process, as it was with us, and it will be with Mark and it will be with Kathy and it will be with all the other people as they build their programs but uh, I like the direction we're all heading and I really like the direction we're heading and hopefully uh, it'll bring good things in the future. If you're unfamiliar with that voice I don't know why that's head coach Tom Izzo, the basketball team obviously explaining what the the festivities of Midnight Madness is going to be Friday 9 p.m. supporting uh, the men's and women's basketball team starting at 9 p.m. at Munn Ice Arena not at the Breslin Munn Ice Arena if there's overflow, they're going to go on to Munfield with Jumbotron. So that's the that's the word on Midnight Madness. Uh, but like Coach Izzo said, Coach Izzo referenced his first year as a head coach, and when he went 16 and 16, that that's 500. You know, this is Mark D'Antonio's first year as a head coach, inheriting a program that lost a head coach due to being fired. Tom Izzo inherited a program from a national championship winning head coach in Judd Heathcote. So you see the difference. Izzo went nine and nine in his first Big Ten year too. So so Izzo. You know, kind of showing some sympathy, uh, but showing understanding, and I and I think that's great. Uh, your your thoughts on comparing the two? You know, first seasons. Uh, you know, there's gonna be uh, bumps along the road as a first season. You know, first season head coach, and uh, you're just gonna have to make the adjustments and you know realize it's gonna take time. You're not gonna change the program overnight. You know, every every coach should know that, and every program. You know, you just you just can't you know change a program overnight. Absolutely, and you look at the slate of things. We're we're ten points. You know, to to put for victory's sake. Uh, we're t- we're 11 points away from being six and zero on the on the year, and I think people need to keep that in perspective. Also, I'm not trying to bag on Coach Izzo, but I'm just trying to put it in perspective. People around here think Izzo walks on water. I think he's a great coach, but he also had a 23 point loss to the University of Michigan at the, in the beginning of his first season as a head coach, and obviously we lost to Wisconsin by three, and now in overtime to Northwestern uh, by seven. So, so there's the deal there. Just you know, kind of putting it out there, reminding people where this basketball program came from with Coach Izzo at the helm, and now Mark D'Antonio four and two in his first season. 
Um, also, hockey and their first season after winning a national championship. They play tomorrow. They open up their exhibition season against Windsor at home, 7.05 at Munn Ice Arena. I actually got a chance to sit down with Jeff Lurg last week. Uh, it was media day at Munn Ice Arena. I felt like a fish out of water. I'm not the biggest hockey guy, I'll admit that. Uh, but got a chance to sit down with Jeff and talk about the upcoming season. Here's goalie Jeff Lurg on the Spartans' upcoming season. In this edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, we're here at MSU Hockey Media Dam. Here with number one, Jeff Lurg, the goaltender. Jeff, first of all, your cousin Brian Lurg elected captain. How important is leadership to this hockey team? It's definitely a huge attribute for this team. Last year we saw our, our senior captain, Chris Lawrence. Uh, he was just an unbelievable captain. He got us going at times when we weren't playing well. He, he found a way to get the best out of this team, and that was definitely a huge part of why we won the championship. So leadership here and you know being a captain is definitely a big part of the program. It seems a collective sentiment amongst this team is that you guys aren't satisfied with just one national title. Is, is that what you think as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you always go into the season wanting to win your last game of the year and uh, wanting to be a national champion. That's everyone's dream plan, but obviously it's easier said than done. And uh, there's going to be a lot of challenges along the way, which we've uh, had in our path to last year's championship. But, you know, it's uh, something we know that we can do, but obviously so many great teams in the country at this uh, in the college hockey level that, you know, we have to, you have to be lucky along the way. You have to work hard, and you have to be playing your best at the right time. So it's a tough thing to do, but, you know, when you do it once, teams have done it back-to-back uh, -back years before. So and When you look at yourself, you've earned some preseason accolades already. You've won a national title. Do you use that recognition as pressure? Is that kind of motivation to you? It's definitely motivation for, uh, you know, you're shooting for what's to succeed for. Obviously, being named preseason all-first team is just, you know, it's a good, it's a good you know, a good, uh, you know, kind of a compliment to have, but at the same time, you got to go out and play the game, and you got to do things the right way. So it's going to be, you know, people are going to be gunning for us, like I said. So things are going to be a little bit harder uh, this year, this time around, maybe as last year we weren't looking at with the big bulls on our chest that time. So right now, it's just I think we have to play consistently well every game to be uh, even close to successful as we were last year. Coach Comley, he's been doing it for 30-plus years in this profession. Is he, is he just stay fresh every season that you've been here? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, uh, he's a refreshing coach to be around. He's uh, he's not really a guy that loves to yell at his players and, you know, always come out and scream at them after losses and things like that. He's more of a guy that just tries to get things corrected and, you know, try to take it a different, different approach to it. So it's a nice thing that... He's not out. We don't feel, you know, kind of hated by him like some, you know, maybe some college teams do. So he's definitely a great coach, and, you know, he knows how to get the best out of his players, and we believe in his system, obviously, and, you know, we're looking for another good season. And lastly, on a lighter note, your teammate Zach McCollin, he's won the Goofus Award three years in a row. Do you see him taking it home again this year? Definitely. Uh, it's going to be a unanimous sweep for him, for him, especially with his new TV show or, uh, you know, a little TV radio show in the box. So he's definitely a funny character, and he keeps things light around the locker room when they need to be, and, you know, he knows when to be serious too, so that's something that's, you know, pretty unique about him. That was goalie Jeff Lurg just speaking on the upcoming ice hockey season for the men. Uh, they open exhibitionally tomorrow against... Windsor at home, 7.05 p.m. at Mun Ice Arena. Uh, so you can check out the Spartans there. Mun Ice Arena, 7.05. Uh, technically, they open their regular season at North Dakota. They have they happen to be ranked number one in the nation. So a big, a big, big uh, road test in in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I don't know what is out out that way uh, besides nothing. besides <laughs> the University of North Dakota. Uh, so it's in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game. So you know, little. Symbolism, or you know, great, great for hockey. I'm not the biggest hockey guy, I'll admit it, but we did just win a national championship, and that may be the only one I see in my time here as a, as a student. So you know, I got to show some love, and those guys work very hard over there, and and they and I really do think they they return so much talent. Uh, obviously, with Jeff Lurgan goal, they're going to be stellar defensively. Uh, they bring back four guys who've who've played in the rotation last year, even though they lost some defense. Probably one to the NHL who left early. I, I believe they'll be fine. So Michigan State, they open their exhibition season tomorrow with Windsor at home, 7.05 p.m. Uh, but moving forward, football, obviously, uh, the top story around the Spartan Airways today, I, I would guess. 48-41 uh, OT loss to Northwestern. That makes it two straight losses and a losing streak, <laughs> clearly. Uh, but, but building a program for Mark D'Antonio takes support. Uh, like I voiced earlier, Mark, Tom Izzo's first year, 16-16, 500 in the Big Ten as well, 9-9. Nine uh, including a 23-point loss to Michigan. We have yet to be blown out. Um, if you want to call C.J. Basher's 500-plus passing yards, uh, that's somewhat of a statement there uh, on the secondary. But t building a program, it takes fan support. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm just laughing at all the people that bail so quickly 
on Mark D'Antonio and, and, and Treadwell, the offensive coordinator. Um, if you look at what Michigan State's putting up per game, over 30 points a game, and, and that's even it's even increases uh, when you get into Big Ten play. Yes, we've only played two. Uh, we hung 34 on Wisconsin and lost, and then obviously put up 41 against a poor a poor Northwestern team that that we should have handled. Uh, and they just they just ran uh, simply a, a spread clinic on us, and they did they showed how to execute the spread offense and <laughs> and CJ Basher threw for I believe the third most yards in in Big Ten history, uh, which is ridiculous. Ray, your thoughts uh, on uh, the loss to Northwestern? Uh, it was definitely a sloppy game. I mean, you know, Spartans they came out they just didn't seem like they were in the game at all. And uh, you know, again, Bashir had a field day on us and. Uh, up front, we didn't you know we didn't pl- apply enough pressure, and uh, you know our secondary definitely uh, you know struggled. Brigitte, your thoughts? Forty-eight, forty-one loss to Northwestern in OT. You know, I wasn't disappointed about having a loss. I was just more disappointed about the way that we've been losing. I mean, if you close your eyes, you'd almost think it was a year ago, like winning a heartbreaking game and then the next game coming back. And when we should win to prove that we can come back from a heartbreaking loss, we almost fall into the same pattern. So it's like, you know, same team, just with a different head coach. But then at the same point, you have to, you know, credit Mark D'Antonio. He did inherit a new program, but... You know, I guess you just got to think we need to definitely make some new changes in the upcoming week. And what would those be? I would say definitely improve the secondary. Like you said, they picked us apart. Um, probably improve the offensive line. Our defense was, it almost seemed like Pat Narduzzi fell asleep. It almost seemed like Pat Narduzzi fell asleep. Yikes. Uh, Coach Narduzzi spoke on his defense after the game. I got that coming up later this hour as well. Um, offensively, I think we're consistent, yes. Uh, people could say we didn't show up in the last minutes, but a game, uh, technically in my eyes, isn't isn't lost in that overtime session. Um, throughout the game, uh, we're we're responding to to Northwestern's multiple ex- explosive plays. We were given two gifts at the end of the game with the you know the botch snap and then the missed field goal, and we didn't capitalize on that, which was you know bad on our part. Which, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's understandable. Wide open, you it's, know. It's understandable. Uh, but but along along the way, you just have to understand. This, my my point to to start the show: building a program takes time and, and it takes fan support. If people just want to bail because we we happen to be four and two, uh, let's not forget two more wins. We're in a bowl game. You know, it may be down I ninety four, the Motor City Bowl. Uh, but I'll I will take that. I just don't think in any way that this is the offense's fault. I mean, this is the second straight game that Ringers averaged over 14 yards per carry. 41 points should definitely be enough for a team to win the game, regardless of who you're playing. And, I mean, Boucher hung 520 yards and five touchdowns on us, and that's the fifth most in Northwestern history. And he had completed over 79% of his passes, which is just something you don't want as a coordinator. Yeah, I think I think you have to you do have to give some credit to Bechet. He he really it, it wasn't like his guys were wide open all the time. He really put the ball in the money when when he needed to. Um, our secondary did have some slip ups. Coach D addressed that. Uh, we'll get to his clip in a minute. Um, but Bridget, go ahead. I think part of it too with the maturing process of a new team is we need to learn how to win. Yet um, a lot of mistakes we made at the end of the game, we could have capitalized on some opportunities. Uh, for a while, it was back and forth touchdowns, but then when Nor- Northwestern, excuse me, punted the ball, we go back and punt it right back to them. So I think it'll just take in a couple weeks, just learning how to win as opposed to learning how to lose. Absolutely, I got a chance to uh, go to Coach D's press conference as I do every Monday. Uh, Coach D, uh, here's his opening statement today at his press conference. The guys very disappointing uh, this last weekend. And, um, you know, I guess the, the first thing I think we all have to realize is that, uh, you know, life can throw you curveballs at some times, and uh, you, need, you need to be able to pick yourself up. Very well, here we are back. I guess we're having a little technical dif- difficulty with certain clips. My apologies there, uh, but we'll get that cleaned up. Don't you worry. We're right back, though. Um, initial thoughts on first uh, the offense, guys. Uh, initially, I mean, we played, you know, we played pretty well offensively. We put up, you know, 41 points, and, you know, we, we again, we had the second straight week where we had those big plays that really uh, uplifted, you know, our uh, offensive production. And I mean, you you look at the way Javon Rieger played. It's unfortunate that such a valiant effort, you know, go, gets credited to a loss. Uh, Javon Ringer, 12 carries, uh, 185 yards on the ground, 15 and a half yards per carry. That That's just insane. I mean, it's not like he just had like one or two carries. He he was explosive all game. For those people who doubt Javon Ringer's uh, playmaking ability or able to break big runs, he he obviously proved it, breaking multiple tackles, 
in, in finding daylight. And, and he did a great job, as well as uh, Devin Thomas. I think Devin Thomas is, is arguably the MVP of this football team right now. He Offensively, he, he does so many things. Uh, he, he's ranked in the nation in kick return. I believe he's fourth in, in the nation at kick return. And yes, um, all-purpose, or pardon me, seven in kick return, uh, fourth in the nation, all-purpose yards. He's uh, putting up, I believe, 205 per game. Ridiculous. Uh, uh, Devin Thomas just, just went unnoticed somewhat last year. Uh, he did he did in that Northwestern game a year, uh, year ago, had that block punt that led to the comeback, or was you know a part of the comeback, but Devin Thomas definitely an offensive MVP in my eyes right now. Not only can he receive the ball and you know run the ball in the open field, he also you know made some key blocks that sprung ringer you know out down the field, and you know he's definitely proven to me at least that he's you know a complete receiver. And I, I, where does he where does he rank in the Big Ten? Uh, is is he better than Dorian Bryant? I believe so. I mean, James he, Hardy. I mean, he can't. I mean, he you know he can take you know again he can you know score on any any play of the game you know. Is it, that's what makes him so lethal in your eyes, then? Well, I mean, you throw him a bubble screen, he could take it house. Yeah. Absolutely. I just think he's tremendous. I mean, Javon Ringer's coming alive now, and it's not like he's coming alive in non-conference games against poor opponents. Uh, he's he's balling out against Wisconsin. Uh, he's he's hanging yards on Northwestern, albeit Northwestern not the greatest defensive team. Uh, but obviously, when we, we have a makeshift offensive line right now, but I don't want to I don't want to say that in in a negative light. Our offensive line has some guys that are that are really really stepping up. In my eyes, you have Mike Getve uh, playing a guard position. Who in Mike, a fifth year senior? I mean, he voiced that he should be able to 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 play anywhere on that offensive line because of, because of his experience. Uh, but you got uh, you know kind of like a patchwork offensive line, and you know you say the offensive line needs improvement. Brian, did Brian Hoyer get get sacked, or how often was he pressured? Did he get pressured to throw a pick? I think Brian Hoyer's decision making was a little better. Um, you could have seen him break on some big runs, but is that Brian Hoyer's forte? You know, to kind of roll out of the pocket and take it. You know, Brian's more of an arm guy than a leg guy. Sometimes you need to take what's you know what the defense a- ab- gives absolutely. you. You know. And Hoyer, Hoyer has one of the most critical eyes as a quarterback, as as I've dealt with in you know my few years covering sports here at Michigan State. Hoyer, the the reason I I like Hoyer as a player and as a person is because he's so bluntly honest about things. You know, he'll look back and say, you know, I wish I would have had this ball back, or I wish I would have read this defense a little bit better. Uh, but as every Monday, Monday morning quarterback, got a chance to sit down with Brian this afternoon, and I'm gonna. Be positive that this clip's going to work for you, folks. Sorry about the dead air earlier. Just a radio sin, but guess what? We'll, we'll repent here with a Brian Hoyer. Here's what he had to say. This edition of the Spartan Sports Podcast, as usual, it's Monday morning quarterback here with Brian Hoyer. First of all, Brian, your offense averaging over 34 points a game this season. You have to feel that this side of the ball is, is playing extremely well right now, especially through two Big Ten games where you put up over 34 points. Yeah, I think uh, we're executing the plays that need to be done, and uh, everybody's doing their job, and that's something we've emphasized is if you go out and just do your job, everything else will uh, take care of itself. So whether it's the O-line blocking the right run scheme or pass protection, and then you know me getting the ball to the receivers and in the hands of our playmakers uh, like Javon and Devin and Kellen and, and all those guys. So uh, we've just done a real good job of, of doing our job. How much confidence does that give you collectively as an offense, knowing that your linemen are blocking, your rushers are getting major yards, and your receivers are making big plays? Really, we just we feel like uh, the only thing that's stopping us is ourselves at, at points during the game. And I mean, you look back on the film, and, and really that that was the the uh, case this past week and the weeks prior. Um, you know, when we stop, when we get stopped. It's it's us preventing ourselves from from. Uh, continuing on and uh, stopping ourselves. So if we can just eliminate the, the internal mistakes, we'll be fine. You guys are becoming very consistent with your offensive production, scoring, but you, Brian, as you always have, you have a critical eye. What things do you see need improvement on your side of the ball? We uh, we made, play, made plays on Saturday, but unfortunately we didn't make them when uh, they needed to be made at the end of the game. And um, that's something where we just got to step up and, and realize that, you know, regardless of the situation, we're going to have to score to win. And, uh, you know, whether, uh, you know, we come out and we play offense or defense first, we're going to have to step up and make a play and uh, just go out and get it done. What's homecoming mean to you? You got Indiana Saturday under the lights. Can you talk about the environment and just the festivities that surround Saturday's game? Yeah, it's fun. Um, you know, everybody's a little more excited, I think. Uh, the, the student body and the fan base is more excited. Obviously, people are coming back. So, um, it's a little extra uh, electricity going through the stands, and, and uh, hopefully that'll 
uh, help us out on the field on Saturday. You guys usually play afternoon games when you're at home, uh, not under the lights. Does that add a, a little extra emotion, a little extra passion for you guys out there? Yeah, I think so. I think when you play under the lights, um, you know, it's a little extra, like you said. And uh, I don't know, for me, it kind of brings me back to high school days and um, playing under the lights. And it's just something special when you get a chance to play under the lights at Spartan Stadium because, like you said, it's uh, not very many times that you get to do it. Indiana, Saturday night, Kellen Lewis, a quarterback, very mobile. Indiana scores a lot of points. You being a quarterback and knowing what Indiana has done, uh, what's some advice you give your defense about Kellen Lewis and Indiana? Well, yeah, just from uh, you know playing against him last year, he had a great game against us last year, throwing and running the ball. So, you know, our, our defense is going to get a, a good game plan in and, and trying to stop him. And I think uh, he's the key to that offense. Obviously, they got some other playmakers, but you know, with the things that he's capable of doing, if you can uh, kind of shut him down, I think you shut down their offense. And Brian, heading into this week of practice, what are some of your goals that, as a team, you guys want to accomplish in practice? Um, just I think we need to step the intensity up and. Uh, that's something that we've done each and every week, but you know, coming off two losses, we got we got to bounce back, and we really got to get focused and uh, pick up the intensity and carry it over to uh, Saturday's game. To wrap it up, as we always have here in the Major League Baseball playoff season, your Indians up two to one on the Yankees. Are they going to drop the hammer and kick the pinstripes out of the playoffs? Uh, well, like I said last Monday, my prediction was the Indians in four games. So hopefully, uh, they'll get it done tonight and uh, make me a profit. That was quarterback Brian Hoyer claiming to be a prophet, possibly, if the Indians beat the Yankees tonight. But if you want to get in touch with us, here's our email address, wdbmsports at gmail.com. Our phone number, if you'd like to chime in there, 517-432-3893. You know, we heard Brian talking about the Indiana game and Kellen Lewis. He threw five TD passes against us last year in a 46-21 win. Uh, down in Bloomington, uh, but Eric made a great point during the break about Javon Ringer. Oh, well, I mean Javon Ringer is second in the nation right now in yards per carry, and and that's not just you know with forty thirty you know forty fifty rushes that you have to have over seventy five, and that's that's above McFadden, Mendenhall, Slayton, Rice, you know every every single one of those guys in the nation, and the only guy that's leading him is Jonathan Stewart from Oregon, and it, it's not like he has exactly seventy five. I mean Ringer has one hundred and three carries, and McFadden has one hundred and thirty, so he's he's getting the job done against some of the premier backs in the country, and I mean, he's just starting to get noticed. And I just noticed we have an email here. from. This is from Bob in Grand Rapids. Bob says, uh, just like to comment on the Saturday MSU football game, I've heard a lot of complaining about our secondary, and although the play wasn't good, it wasn't all their fault. MSU's defensive line got, caught, got physically dominated up front by Northwestern, in, in all caps. He says, don't blame Coach D'Antonio here because this is the same scheme that brought the Spartans to 4-0. The blame should fall squarely on the players. They didn't show up to play. Every time we blitz, we didn't get to the quarterback or even get in his passing lanes, which is essential to stopping the passing game. They looked scared and played back on their heels. And where was the sack master uh, referencing Jonal St. Deke? Uh, the defensive line up front needs to look in the mirror because the game was lost with those guys, as most games are. Uh, this team goes no better than 7-5, and five, but that would be a successful season. Let's not forget these are basically the same players from a year ago and didn't get that much better in one se- in one offseason. The rebuilding of this program starts with the recruiting. All right, fellas, just like to note that the 03 Lancers could have put up 40 on the Spartan defense <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> Otis Wiley reminded me of Les Meiser with all those phantom <laughs> dives. That's Bob in Grand Rapids. Bob, we, we appreciate your email. Also, email inbox wide open all hour. WDBMSports at Gmail. Dot com. If you agree with Bob, disagree, agree with us, we like to hear it, 517-432-3893. As Eric referenced, Javon Ringer second in the nation in yards per carry, and that's, you said, over 75 uh, carries cumulatively this season. So Javon Ringer getting it done. Um, pardon me for not having any Coach Antonio clips tonight. Uh, they recorded, they played through the CD player, uh, but they're not going through the air. We're going to fix that. I promise we'll have Coach Antonio next week post Indiana, and hopefully that will be a win. Uh, but our offense, Ray, do you feel that our offense is becoming consistent? Yeah, it is. I mean, we're definitely, you know, obviously we're averaging over 30 points a game, and, you know, you know Hoyer's, you know, spreading the ball around, and he's been doing that all season. You know, Devin Thomas gets his touches, Ringer, Cole Crick, you know, uh, as does Kellen Davis, you know. You can't, act, you can't ask much more out of an offense, you know, scoring over 30 points a game. Absolutely. Uh, Devin, do you see Devin Thomas as the MVP of this offense? Uh, right now, yes, because you know he does. He, again, he does everything. You know, blocks, he runs, and he uh, receives very well. And, but uh, right now, I mean, later in the season, I expect you know Ringer to pass that. 
And we we keep speaking on Javon Ringer. Uh, where does he rack up? I'll put him. In my opinion, I'll say he's the right now. Javon Ringer's the best back in the Big Ten. Do you agree, or who would you put over him? Uh, probably Mike Hart. I mean, Mike Hart. You know, he does it every week. You know, but if he, you put Mike Hart behind Michigan's line in Michigan's talent, you know, uh, you know, detracting you know pressure with those talented wide receivers, you know, can you find some middle ground there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you do make a valid point, but I I don't know. I I would still have to say you know Hart's you know the most you know complete back out of the, out of uh, Ringer and him. Eric. Yeah, I have to agree. Mike Hart's got to be better than Javon Ringer. I don't think Javon Ringer could carry a load of forty carries per game. Um, right. I mean, he's only getting what fifteen right now, and forty would probably break him in half. Um, like I don't even know if he's NFL ready right now. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Michael Bennett back when he was with the Vikings. He sees the hole well and hits it as hard as he can, as fast as he can. But speed is his only asset. And I mean, so Javon Ringer gets bigger and stronger. He's an NFL back potentially, I, but I think speed is the only thing he has going for him. To be but, but is, if he's not the best back, is he the second best back in the conference in your eyes behind Mike Hart? Is uh, it kind of a, a, a log jam at the top there? I think it's close. Uh, PJ Hill is very, very good, and Mike Hart's very, very good. Uh, but Mike, I mean, Mike Hart, when it's all said and done, is probably going to be one of the top five ever to play at Michigan. So. A- absolutely, and I mean, you can credit that to numerous things. But uh, you know, I can't discount Mike Mike Hart's playmaking ability. Um, I think he's arrogant off the field. His comments about Jim Harbaugh and, and about being a Michigan man uh, definitely cost him the Heisman. There, I, I don't see him coming anywhere close. And then the first two losses to. To start the season, a, a statement there, uh, but definitely Javon Ringer making a statement. And what gets me about Javon Ringer is his resiliency. I mean, we look at a, a, a young man that you know had a, knee, a severe knee, knee injury in high school, rebounds from that, has a, a serious knee injury last year. And you look at Javon Ringer last season. You know things were starting to fall apart at that point, which when Javon Ringer got injured, and Javon Ringer could have said, you know what, I'll hang it up, I'll take the medical red, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll rehab, you know, take my time. Javon Ringer said no. And miraculously, almost, Javon Ringer recovers and comes back to contribute to a team. And that just is a testament to Javon Ringer's character as a player uh, because, you know, he could care less how they're going to finish the season. Javon Ringer wanted to play and to contribute, and obviously, one of the most valuable assets on this team. Well, I think one of the most important things is everyone's like, wow, you know, where did this come from? We're finally seeing him break out. I mean, this is this is the kid that everyone saw in high school. This is this is the kid that Southern Cal recruited to go to college for them until he hurt himself. So we're actually seeing, you know, what we got when we originally got him. But it's finally, you know, he's finally healthy, and you know, we're finally seeing him do what he what we got him to do, which is nice. So Ray, did, at the onset of the season, did you think this offense was capable of putting up thirty-four and a half points a game? No, not at all. I didn't. I didn't. I had no idea. You know, I didn't think they had the potential of doing that. And you know, last year, you know, they definitely had the potential with uh, you know Stanton, you know, that spread offense. You know, what that's capable of putting the you know those numbers up. But you know, when they went to the traditional offense, where you know run first, pass second, you know, I had no idea that they you know were capable of doing that. And we praise this offense so much. I think it is a, is a is a great offense. I think Treadwell's doing a good job, contrary to public opinion right now. You know, the games aren't lost with one or two plays. It, essentially, a game starts from kickoff to to the final whistle. In my opinion, you know, games are lost when consecutive deep balls go past our safeties. You know, explosive plays by Northwestern. Um, but let's not be too. We can be positive. But what areas of improvement do you see on that offense? Uh, or what? What needs to improve? Pardon me. Uh, offensive line. I mean, they. You know, the, you know, Hoyer's. You know, running for his life at times. And uh, again, I think uh, Treadwell needs to. You know, you know, uh, shuffle things up a bit. Sometimes he becomes a little too predictable. Again, you know, when uh, I notice when Devin Thomas goes in motion, you know, and ends up, you know, right next to uh, Hoyer. You know, he, nine out of ten times he gets the ball. You know, around the edge. And I think you know, you know, he just needs to mix up things because. His formations are uh, indicating, you know, the plays he's going to run next. And what are some what are some of those inf- formations that, that you notice? Uh, you know, when uh, when he goes trips, you know, and Devin Thomas is lined up on inside man, you know, odds are he's you know he's going to do like a little you know swing pass to him, which you know he ran you know a ton of times in the Wisconsin game and in the Northwestern game. That's all. That's the only insight you can get right here on Impact eighty nine <laughs> yeah. FM. Coach Ray breaking it down on uh, the somewhat predictability, I guess, of, of Coach Treadwell's offensive schemes. Uh, but clearly they're working, hanging 450 yards a game and more than 34 points uh, through six games. And, and it's, just, it's just kind of upsetting, obviously, that we lost two consecutive, but ten, 10 points, 11 points away from being 6-0. and Ima- Imagine that. You know, The coulda, woulda, shouldas, we're not going to sit here and dwell on that. 
but we're going to move on to the other side of the ball defensively. Uh, you know, we'll put a, they're not good at all. Coach Antonio, you know, echoed that today. He, you know, he put the thing I like about Coach G is he put he'll put things out there for you. He'll say, you know, we didn't cover well in the secondary. We let too many guys behind us. We weren't positioned correctly. You know, we didn't get enough pressure. And when I talked to Brian Hoyer last week, we played the clip last week. I said, Brian, what's what's the you know what's essential to stopping a spread offense? Because obviously he was tutored under spread offense for his first you know redshirt two years here, so three years here. You know, tutored as a spread offense quarterback. He said pressure. And what did we sack the quarterback once? And I and I believe we're we're currently ranked in the nation fourth in the nation in sacks. You know, and the the pressure wasn't there. And obviously, pressuring quarterback is going to make poor decisions. You know, we pressured the heck out of Wisconsin, but you know, testament to their QB. I think he played a, a solid game under pressure, but the pressure wasn't there. Do you think that was uh, one of the the major reasons for the for the breakdowns defensively, combined with the secondary? Play? Yeah, because you're you're putting the you know the secondary on an island, and you know we don't. I don't think we have the talent right now to make up for that. And you know, you have to credit you know Northwestern's offensive line. They they picked up their blitzes, and you know Sheehan, you know, definitely exploited that. Or Bashir, excuse me. Yeah, you know, we we played consecutive games against two quarterbacks who played arguably out of their minds uh, uh, against Wisconsin. Their QB was getting rocked left and right and just coming up and making strong plays and, and, and obviously led us into victory by three. And then Bashay, whatever, bashed us pretty good uh, with 520-plus yards and five TDs. Incredible. Uh, your thoughts on the defense, Eric? Well, I just think the biggest player that we missed through the whole game was uh, Oji Nagawa. Uh, I, I, when, the way you build an, a defensive line is through the middle. You start at the defensive tackles, and you work your way out to the, to the ends. And the tackles get pressure on the quarterback and force him out and get players like Irvin Baldwin to get in there and get the sacks from the outsides. And, you know, without having a play, player like Oji, it, it really affected us in the middle. We couldn't get that pressure. And the way you, the way it hurts us for playing against a spread offense is you have to do a lot of tackling in space. You have one-on-one, and you have to just make that tackle. And when they do swing passes to the outside and your defensive players, you know, your defensive line are the players that are running over there to make that play. And when they're not making that, it, it goes from a five-yard play, play, uh, play to a 30-yard play. And, it, you know, the heat in combination with that and us missing our tackles – it just it killed us. Absolutely, I think OG Nawabo is one of the most. It's all good. When I first met, I had OG. OG was OG and Justin Kershaw. We'll t- we'll take you back history. They, those were my first two guests ever on my show, like a year and a half ago. OG and Kershaw. You know, summertime. Just you know, update on football. Uh, Kershaw, a great a great guy, a, a serious man of faith, which I respect in Kershaw. And uh, OG Nawabo comes all the way from California. I really think he's the unsung hero of the defense because. Most times, you know, OG, you're not seeing it. You see him make a sack here or there or, or cause, you know, disruption on the O-line. Uh, but some of the stuff just goes so unnoticed when he draws a double team or he opens something up for a teammate. And just quickly glancing at the depth chart as of October 8th, that'd be today, uh, OG Nuabo. He is listed as a starting nose tackle. Um, I'll quickly run through uh, any slight changes that I notice off the top of my head here on the depth chart. We see Chris L. Rucker. Uh, starting at uh, the at the free corner at strong safety, Nehemiah Ward, Travis Key at free safety, uh, and the other corner, Kendall Davis Clark, he's back, and uh, we may see some Ross Weaver, although he's listed three deep behind Chris L. Rucker, the freshman. Um, offensively, uh, things look um, basically the same. John Masters or Joel Nichman starting at center. We saw Nichman go down with a knee injury, so I'm assuming that it's not that serious if Nichman's listed as a co. Starter with John Masters. Getfay, once again at left guard, also another unsung hero in the trenches. Getfay adjusting to new positions. Uh, a nerve, he had that nerve injury in the shoulder. He's bouncing back. And, and for the most part, I think we're, you know, we have some protection, uh, for, for the patchwork offensive line that we have. And then at wide receiver, we've got Mark Dell and Devin Thomas. So let's talk about Mark, just talk about Mark Dell a little bit. Sorry to jump back to the other side of the ball, but Mark Dell, what, what do you like? What do you dislike about Mark Dell? Coming coming out as as a young freshman, do you see him uh, transforming, evolving into a big play receiver in the Big Ten? I think it's possible. Uh, I, I mean, he's not getting too much help. A lot. The biggest problem with Hoyer right now, the thing we need to improve on, in my opinion, on the on the offensive side of the ball more than the line is Hoyer's accuracy. I mean, every time there's an incomplete pass, I mean, you can almost say, oh, that you know, a little bit more accurate. And I think we would have had that. Uh, Mark Dell has been has been doing what he's been asked to do. He finally got a touchdown again, you know, a couple of games ago, which helps his confidence and. Next year, in combination with Fred Smith, I think they're going to be a really dangerous duo. And 
they're, they can only get better, and he's and doing everything you can he can. Throw Devin Thomas in that mix because Devin is a, is a junior right now. He's got one more year after this, uh, but we're still I'm still focused on this season. We're not jumping ahead. We do have an email. Brandon Turner says, "How do you feel about the play calling at the end of the game? Both this and last game against Wisconsin had all passing plays at the end when our backs are the best in the Big Ten. Am I missing something? Why weren't we running when it comes down to it? That's Brandon in East Lansing. Uh, anyone would like to take a stab at that?" Um, Obviously, overtime session, we saw consecutive passes. Um, Coach D'Antonio stressed that, you know, the coulda, woulda, shouldas. You know, maybe going back, we wouldn't want to throw. Uh, like we were talking about during the break, Eric and I, uh, Kellen Davis uh, had that ball at the one-yard line. Of, I believe the Detroit News photo showed the ball in Kellen Davis's right hand, like squarely in his hand. But, you know, you're stretched out horizontal to the, you know, to the ground, par- parallel to the ground, pardon me. That's a difficult catch. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete, but you know that would have that could have changed the game there. But you know, obviously the play calling play calling suspect. To go along with the email, you know, when Javon's having such a breakout game, why not give it to him? You know, or even if not to him, give it to Ju to pick up those couple yards you need. I think one of the big mistakes we made was we kept thinking we need the touchdown, we need the touchdown when all we really needed to do was just pick up the first down. And I think a lot of that got. Um, I guess that wasn't one of the main keys, and maybe if we had run the ball more, we would have picked up the first down and then got a fresh set of downs to make that touchdown. If you'd like to pick up the phone and give us a call, we'd love it, 517-432-3893. The email address wide open, though. Thankfully, you guys are taking advantage of that tonight. WDBMsports at gmail.com. WDBMsports at gmail.com. Just discussing the offense. We'll, we'll get back to the defense here now. Uh, sorry about that little tangent, but you know if your questions as they come. You know we'll fluctuate th- between sides of the ball, special teams, um, defensively. Obviously, we we weren't very good. Coaches said that, and Coach Narduzzi, in his post game press conference, pardon me for not having the clip, uh, were in working order, uh, said that they couldn't stop East Lansing High School that day, uh, that given day, Saturday. Uh, but what what was the biggest area of weakness, Ray? Uh, we talked to people, uh, Bob from Grand Rapids emailed and said it started with the defensive line and the lack of pressure. Um, people pointed to the secondary, um, to the scheme, the play calling. Where where was the weakness, the, the the biggest weakness? Well, obviously, again, it was up front. You know, we obviously didn't apply pressure. And, you know, last year we had all day to throw, and you, you definitely picked us apart. And, you know, our secondary, you know, they played, they played, I, obviously they played terribly. But uh, more importantly, they missed open field tackles, and you know, those uh, open, you know, missed open field tackles resulted in the big plays. I know Otis Wiley, you know, whiffed on a guy over the middle, and it resulted in a 70-yard TD run, which put him, put him up, I think, 28-20. So definitely put us in a hole early or late in the game. Obviously, Brigitte, go ahead. I think our ability to stop third down conversions was a big factor too. I think they went for like thirteen for nineteen in the game, and you know when they score that or when they get that many third down conversions, you know they're going to keep marching down the field. So I'd like to see a lot more pressure put on the quarterback, not give him those times to make those good throws, and if we hurry him up, then. Hopefully we'll force him into some turnovers. We'll, we'll we'll jock off ESPN and kick it around the horn to Eric. <laughs> well, I, I just think the one of the things is she's absolutely right. Like we didn't stop him at all on third down. But when you look back, you'll never find a game where we had more tackles for loss that were only on first and second down. None of them were on third down. Um, the other thing was definitely the missed tackles. Every every single one of their big touchdown plays came from throwing it to the flats and somebody just missed jumping and, and you know, jumping the route too early or too late, and them just you know taking it for for a long run. And I mean that's we called the right defense. It looked like, but you know, absolutely. I mean, Coach Narduzzi at, at his post game press conference. I'm sorry to just paraphrase these because we don't have the clips. My apologies. Uh, but Coach Narduzzi, you know, he put the blame right on his shoulders, as did Coach D'Antonio today at his press conference. Said it starts with me, and then it filters down. I, I'm I'm a fan of uh, the coaches taking responsibility um, after a loss. You know that that shows uh, the character of the coaches we have here and the maturity and the steps forward of the program. Not you know going off and saying, oh, you know, Otis Wiley should have should have stayed on his feet and, and you know broke on this ball or positioned himself differently or opened his hips this way that way. Uh, but you, you got to give credit to, to coaches that can can swallow the pride and, and really put put a loss not a loss but uh, but some of the pressure on their shoulders uh, for not having guys prepared as Coach Narduzzi said. Um, but I guarantee that that these guys will be prepared for Saturday. You know I said we could ha- hang forty or fifty on Northwestern and we hung forty one, uh, but the defense didn't come to play and and they're well aware of it. You know 
I, I got a chance to talk to Eric Gordon today. Sorry I didn't bring the interview there as well. I'm just fumbling all over the place today. <laughs> Uh, just quickly, if you want to give us a call, though, 517-432-3893. And they're, they're cognizant of what they need to do. And it's no secret that you know they had some breakdowns in the back end. It's no secret that they didn't wrap up and make open field tackles. It's no secret they didn't have pressure. You know, We can sit and dwell on these things all day, or we can get this bus moving forward. Ray, is this, is this program moving forward right now? Oh, it's definitely moving forward, but uh, I want to bring it back to the defensive side. I, I, w- I didn't agree with the you know second-half adjustments. We seem like we stayed in the same covers all the time, you know, two-deep zone. You know, when they uh, rolled spread offense, you know, mix it up a little bit, you know. Obviously, it wasn't working in the first half. You know, maybe run man, maybe run a three-deep zone, try something new. I mean, it obviously wasn't working in the first half. You know, you got you to gotta make those necessary adjustments in the second half, and I definitely wasn't impressed with Narduzzi on that. So what adjustments would you have made? Just mixing up the coverage. I mean, I'm not saying that you're qualified to be a coach, but no, you know, just not. just off I, the top, you know, what you what know, are some things you notice? Maybe maybe run a man. I mean, you know, obviously the the two deep zone isn't working. You know, change it up. You know, you know, you know, throw the offensive curveball. You know, did wide receivers have too much space to kind of settle in the zone, and then Bashay kind of could just pick apart? I mean, uh, again, he had all day, so I mean, yeah, he he could have picked this apart in post game. He did. And Coach D made a great point post game. He said. You know, Bashay did a good job. He kind of stepped forward and up into in the pocket, and then essentially it yeah, was seven on seven yeah. football without a line in front of him, and it was green pastures in front of him to to find whoever he could find that was open at the time. Um, but obviously, the coaches, you know, they're not pushing blame off uh, to one coach or the other, and, and you got to respect that as a fan. And and like I said earlier, building a program takes takes fan support, and don't bail after six games. We're four and two. You know, we we win two more games, we're in a bowl. You know, people people got to keep that in the back of their minds. Yes, we have a tough back end schedule. That's no that's no secret either. That we, that we played some tough road games down the stretch. Um, but but I'm I'm excited for the for the remainder of the season. But, but I mean, we have proven that we could you know we can hang with you know elite teams you know a la Wisconsin. So I mean you know people are gonna say oh you can hang but you can't beat. I think that's the the change of the culture of the school of thought here in in Michigan State football and toughness and not just competing but winning big games. And, you know, coming off a year where we lose a, a, a solid quarterback in, in Brian Hoyer, and we lose uh, an Stanton. NF, an NF, or, yeah, pardon me. Stanton. I'm fumbling. Anyway, and we lose Clifton Ryan, an, an NFL defensive lineman. And, you know, we lose some corners, but, you know, some could argue that those corners, the corner position improved when those guys graduated. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but, you know, coming back after, the, after last season, you know, people didn't have high hopes, and now we had a strong showing through – I'd say a strong showing through five games. And then yeah. we have one game, you know, Coach Antonio, it's growing pains. And, you know, not just not just because of my position at positions elsewhere. You know, you, you got to stick with the program. You just can't bail. You know, people are, you know, people could, you know, just totally jump ship. You know, oh, here, here we go again, as, as many people are saying. Give this, you got to give this team a chance. We're not, we're not getting blown out. You know, two combined Big Ten losses by ten points. I don't think, you know, you need to put the dirt on this one. Well, I just think you have to have high hopes. I mean, you can look right now and see what Brian Kelly is doing with Coach Antonio's players at, at Cincinnati, and and those are his kids. I mean, Six he, in the nation right now, I think they are in defense. Or aren't they in the top ten now? Yeah, ranked in the top, top 10. ten. I think they're number six in the nation, six and zero. Oh. Cincinnati is yes. in the top twenty, uh, for sure. Um, but either way, you can just see what what Brian Kelly is doing with his kids and. That, I mean, that's got to give you a lot of inspiration for what he's going to do for us. He's playing with none of his own kids, and he's he's making basically it's a work in progress. And they're all playing exponentially better than what they did. And you just you just have to wait. And like you said, it's growing pains. And yeah, part of me fifteenth at six and zero. Oh, yeah, I fumbled that one, but that's a, that's a top fifteen program that Coach Antonio just left. You know, I'm, I didn't want to give too much credit there. It's at, at number six in the nation, but yeah, Cincinnati fifteenth in the nation. Uh, with D'Antonio's players, so Ray, you had a point though. What well, we was just saying, fifteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati fifteenth, and they and they just beat Rutgers, as Eric points out to me. I appreciate I appreciate that. So Cincinnati, that, and it's, that's Mark D'Antonio's players that he recruited. So obviously, and we've seen it all along. You know, we you, coaches can't speak directly on players that have verbally committed, but uh, the recruiting class is tremendous. You know, we see who we brought in that are freshmen playing this year: Greg Jones, Chris L. Rucker. Making an impact, true freshmen. They were playing Friday nights last season. Mark Dell. Absolutely, Mark Dell, tremendous. So you know you got to give credit. And Michael Jordan, not not two three, but Michael Jordan also another addition. So recruiting definitely a strength. And so like Bob pointed out in the in, in email number one of the night, you know it starts with recruiting. 
Is that where it starts for you, Ray, in building a program? I mean, definitely. You got to have the players to you know to establish a good foundation. Look at USC when you know. Uh, what's it? <laughs> Steve, yeah, they just <laughs> lost. You know, they lost. But we'll look at USC. Yeah, you know, they started building with recruiting, and you know, it takes you know good players to build a you know a strong foundation as well as supplying their parents. Or, you know, <laughs> we won't go there either. But you know, they're, they're I'm sure they're not crystal clean programs. But you know, we won't we won't dabble in that in in those in those allegations. You know, we'll we'll, we'll keep it in the Spartan side of the ball, and it seems things are going pretty smooth. Four and two. Uh, so the the you would pin the the loss the defensive side of the ball combination of poor secondary with the lack of line pressure, essentially at the end of the day. Um, but what do you if you're a head coach, Ray? You know, obviously none of us are qualified to even be a high school coach right now. But but what what were what was some uh what yeah, you could be you were breaking some do stuff it. down. Uh, what would you focus on this week in practice, Ray? I don't know, just playing, you know, 12 men on the, or 11 men on the ball, you know. I, I didn't see it last game. They, you know, seemed like, you know, they were just, you know, obviously whiffing an open field and people are just, you know, running up short on plays and, you know, taking plays off. You know, I would, I would like to see the intensity build more because it looked like, you know, when times went, were down, you know, we put our heads between our legs and, you know, it was just like a repeat of last year almost. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our email address is wdbmsports at gmail.com. I appreciate all the emails. We may It may be a record number. Re- realistically, I think we've had like four emails. Always love to get the emails. Phone number also, 517-432-3893. Brigitte, go ahead. I'd like to see them work a little bit on special teams this week, getting some punts down and uh, beneath the 20-yard line. Reduce the amount of touchbacks. Uh, just work on special teams because honestly, special teams will win the game at the end. Because like we saw with Northwestern, if their kicker hadn't missed the field goal, they would have. You, not may, even you, gone may, to you make a tremendous point, Brigitte. Um, if you look at special teams, another thing, Coach Antonio. See, Coach Antonio puts it out there for you. He's not going to try to hide behind things. He puts it out. He says today we make that we don't get a field goal blocked. What's the what's the score at the end of the game? Forty-one, forty-one. We have an extra point. We win the game. So Coach Antonio did address uh, what needs to be fi- fixed in in, uh, in mm-hmm. special teams. I mean, absolutely, special teams is important. Look at Virginia Tech. That team is built on defense and special teams, and that specifically those alone win most of their games for them. Um, I, I just think I think they need to work on a little bit more punt coverage. Terry Love fair catches more more balls than anybody I've ever seen. And I just think they need to work on that a little bit better. We're going to go right to the phones. Line two, welcome on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How are you doing? Hey, how are you guys doing? So what's the word tonight? Okay, I, I just wanted to call in. I haven't, I just started catching the show. Uh, I'm coming from out of area. I, so I haven't heard of you guys recapped all this stuff before. But I just feel completely bamboozled about all of this defensive talk about how we're going to be smash-mouth football, how we are going to shut down, how we're going to finally play defense again. And like I don't, I do not understand where our pressure went. Like we were sending blitzes, they weren't getting home, and then we weren't covering anybody. We were bumping on a spread offense. You had, um, you, you, we kept running the four three. I do not know why we kept running three linebackers out there when they had four wide receivers every single time. We were outmatched, and Narduzzi is a great coach, and it just I could not understand why we kept running the same same uh, base defense. When it wasn't working, I mean, they beat us every single time. We never bumped them. I don't understand. It's spread offenses work on a timing route. Why don't you bump them on the line so they can't? So it throws off everybody. I mean, you either you either get pressure on the quarterback or you play or you play tight defense on the secondary, and we didn't do either. Like I, I don't understand. It, it just seemed like the defense went out of the. Just they threw it out. They just decided, well, we're just going to run the four three, and hopefully it works. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to bamboozle you an answer here. I like that. That's a great verb. Um, so so where does where does Michigan State's defense and team head now when they face Indiana, a similar spread team uh, that puts up some tremendous offensive numbers, thirty-seven and a half points a game? What do you see happening this week? You know what? I before the season started, I gave us six wins, and when when we beat Notre Dame, I said, you know what? We can go into Wisconsin, and that's our type of football. We may be able to go seven and zero. We beat Wisconsin. We almost beat Wisconsin. We played pretty well, and it's you know, and, and it's, a, it's a top ranked team. It's hard to it's hard to get down on them. But when when Northwestern just tears our secondary apart, and, I mean, oh, just people looking like they are standing around in the secondary. I cannot possibly see us playing Indiana 
and, and being able to come out with the win. Unless our defensive line all of a sudden becomes to get pressure or we start putting up uh, uh, more of a press on, the, on their wide receivers or if we just get rid of the four. I mean, I, I haven't seen Indiana play, so I don't know if they run the exact spread or if it's like a pro style. But, you know, if, if, we, if they're running a spread and we keep playing 4-3, we're going to lose. Like, we're going to lose. We can't get pressure fast enough, and they're just going to dump it off to a safety belt. Give me the biggest thing that needs to change and to make this team improve. The biggest thing? Yes, the biggest the biggest characteristic of this defense. or this. I don't think the offense is having any problem right now. What's the biggest characteristic of this team that needs to change to be successful? Uh, depth at DBs. Hey, depth at DBs. Great answer. We always appreciate the calls. And, you know, voicing your opinions, you know, this is a public podium as well. Uh, WDBMSports at gmail.com. we got about five minutes to go. Also, uh, phone number 517-432-3893. And, and as our caller explained, you know, Indiana, similar style offense, a very mobile quarterback. We're going to have to contain him, keep him on his toes. Kellen Lewis actually uh, leads, their, <laughs> leads their team in rushing, averages about 75 yards on the ground, a game, a very mobile quarterback. I think uh, he, he would give the Wolverines quite quite the problem. Uh, but definitely, Kellen Lewis, uh, it all starts with him, as, as Hoyer said earlier in our interview. Uh, it all starts with Kellen Lewis, and that's where we're going to transition now uh, to the Indiana Hoosiers. A homecoming game, 7 p.m., under the lights, Big Ten Network. Uh, probably less than 3,000 tickets to to remain to be sold. I'm, I'm expecting... Uh, a sold-out Spartan Stadium. Uh, Ray, what are you expecting to see on the field Saturday? Uh, well, I can't predict a loss, but I'm, you know, I'm hoping you know MSU uh, bounces back from you know the disappointing loss in Northwestern and Wisconsin. But uh, I'm excited, you know, you know, night game, big tailgate, and uh, I expect you know state to overall bounce back. Hey, so are you uh, you back in the media? Are you back? Are you probably tailgate. Yeah, I'm back in the tailgate mode. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I can't blame you. you I might you know, be up there, Penn State, with you. Yeah, because it's going to be snowing yeah. probably. <laughs> I'll try the heated uh, press box. Brigitte, uh, your thoughts on Indiana homecoming this weekend? Gosh, it's hard to see Michigan State dropping three in a row, so I'm going to give them the edge, but maybe by like a touchdown or so. Plus, with the night game, the lights, you know, I I just see all all the teams showing up next week because I don't think they want to endure the ridicule of dropping three straight games. Absolutely, and these these players are humans. You know, they know what what goes on in the media. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't read everything, but you know, they 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 pay attention. They don't. They don't. You think they like to lose? You think they like to to quote unquote let people let their fellow students down? Let the you know they're hungry to win. They want to get a win. Eric, to you, I think we're gonna make trouble. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I it's hard to, to go against our team, but I, I think Kel. I mean, we had trouble with Juice Williams last year as a freshman from Illinois, and Kel Moose has a better arm, better decision making, and better wide receivers. Um, I hate to predict a loss, but I think we're gonna lose by about ten. And my my in my position here, I, I don't I don't predict I don't I don't give scores. I may you know throw favor one way or the other. Uh, but let's look at the last meeting between the Hoosiers and Spartans. Kelton Lewis threw five touchdowns, uh, including a school record four to James Hardy. And I think uh, that that matchup there, James Hardy against whoever is going to be guarding him, I doubt Coach Antonio or Coach Narduzzi puts Chris L of true freshman on uh, James Hardy of Indiana. I think we'll go with Kendall Davis Clark. Um, if we have Ross Weaver back, or I don't know, because you put Ross Weaver and you got T.J. Williams, some guys six two, six three, going against James James Hardy's height. Don't be surprised to see Nehemiah Work or Travis Key shading uh, to James Hardy's side. Well, the thing to remember is on Northwestern's first two possessions in the first quarter against us, when they needed big third downs, Bechet went to Kendall Davis Clark's side of the ball, and they picked up the first down every single time. So I think uh, MSU has to be cognizant of that, and they have to you know be aware of of who they focused on when they needed the big third downs, and they needed and they needed to make their game plan accordingly. As Jonal Saint Deek says, third down, the big money down, and the coach D and the coaches know that's that's where they had letdowns. You know, like you said, tackles for loss, first and second down. We get to third down, the money down. That's you know that's the colloquial name for that down throughout the program. They call it the money down, and you know they didn't get money. You know whatever fifty cent get money, whatever they didn't get they didn't get money on third down. But but I expect differently. They have they have a week to prepare health wise for uh, for mid October. I think we're well, you know well enough. It you know it'd be nice. Uh, Roll Martin's on the mend. You know he'll be closer to one hundred percent on the offensive line. Uh, if we have Ross Weaver, any added depth in the secondary is key. Because I really, I really like, I really like T.J. Williams as wide receiver. You know, I might be a little offensive minded, you know, because of our history, you know, yeah. playing in high school. <laughs> but 
you know, I like TJ Williams as a wide receiver, but he's doing he's doing an ample job. You know, he's kind of thr- just you know baptism by fire. We're gonna have a crowded and, receiving core next year. You know, with uh, the recruit of Fred Smith and Fred Devin Smith. Com- Thomas and Mark Dell, and adding TJ Williams. Yeah, we, hey, we'll discuss. <laughs> that, that's, hey, that's a wrap for us. We'll discuss Indiana and Michigan State next Monday, 7 to 8 p.m. Don't forget, every Monday right here on WDBM East Lansing. Got to put out there. Uh, it is the top of the hour. That's it for us. Jazz Spectrum's coming up next starting at about a little after 8. Um, for Eric, Rajit, Ray, I'm Dan. Don't forget, podcast. Listen to us all every day for till we meet again. <laughs> Impact89FM.com. Um, and I'm out. See you guys next Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.